Hello, this is Reverend Colette Duval-Pandela. Welcome to our Wolf Wisdom Gathering in Nature's Classroom on Nature's Path. Today I'm joined by our beautiful Alaska. She is our Earth Mother, celebrating the beginnings and comings of spring um, this week. And she's here to talk to us about I Say Love. Okay, very cool. All right, we're on. <laughs> Good morning. As you see, I have Alaska here. The name of my talk is called I Say Love. Um, almost every week, I talk about you know how we need to treat ourselves, how we need to treat each other, how we need to treat our planet, which is what I'm gonna talk about today. And um, of course, Alaska is our mother for Mother Earth. <laughs> and I might just make it a theme from here to there because there's a lot of things happening in our world and in our policies that are hurting our planet again. And for no reason, we can be more responsible than that. And we need to be mindful and conscious of how we're treating ourselves, each other, and our planet. And I say love. And Alaska is our Mother Earth, <laughs> our representative of the Earth Mother, um, at least in this pack. So that's why I have her here today with us. Um, I'm going to go ahead and um, sing our opening meditative prayer. Um, but please, with this in mind, this holding our planet in the hands of grace, holding our atmosphere in the hands of grace, we are coming up on spring. Spring is coming next week. And um, it's always an exciting time, and I'll talk a little bit about that too. But wherever you are right now, just relax in your chair. <sighs> you don't have to hold on to yourself. Let Mother Earth hold the chair that you're sitting in. You cannot fall. today, I chose a um, native prayer for us to do today. 
Um, because of all peoples on the planet, these ancient ones um, have left a legacy if we had only listened. <laughs> and that we can listen again of how to do what this talk is about. This is a talking stick. It was made especially for me. And um, when elders or anyone in the tribe or community wanted to bring a meeting together, they would make a talking stick. And they would make it from the elements. Obviously, you see that there's fur here, there's beads here, there are different colors. There's the kind of wood that it is. There is the antler from the animal that it is, and then the feathers from the winged ones. And all of these colors and combinations have a certain specific meaning to the um, Native Americans and what they represented in the world. So this talking stick was made with an intention in mind to bring that to the table. And then whoever made the talking stick and called the meeting would be the one who would start the meeting with the talking stick and then everybody got a chance to hold the stick. And when you had the stick, no one could interrupt. And so everybody's voice was heard. Everybody's voice about this subject was heard. There was no, let's get together, and this is the intention of my meeting, and I'm the most important one, and you don't get a say. So either you agree with me or you don't. If you don't, I don't care. That was not how they treated each other. And everyone had respect for the qualities that this stick came to the meeting with. Can you imagine? Now, I don't know what all of these colors mean. I haven't memorized them and studied them on that level. But this is my talking stick. And, and it is a sign of respect for each and every person. And everybody had an equal say in these meetings when they came together. And I don't know if you know this, but they would come together. There were 13 nations. There were 13 nations like there were 13 states. And every single year, representatives from each one of those tribes <laughs> came together in one spot. And they had what they call a potlatch ceremony because they understood that greed was contagious. And so they brought their most valuable possessions from horses to animals to beading to jewelry to hides to clothing. And they brought them together and they took their most valuable things and they traded them with each other to let each other know that what's important is what the planet gives us and that's where our abundance is, not how many possessions we have, not how many things we have. That was not the sign of power. The sign of power was when you could relinquish something from the outside of you that was more important to you than the community and the world at large. And Europeans saw this and actually stole this form of government <laughs> from the Native Americans that they witnessed do this, representatives from every tribe coming in and having a say. It started our form of government. But they didn't understand the intention. They didn't understand the highest good for all concerned. They used the word equality in a way that doesn't mean equality. They had high aspirations. And yet, their, their policies, because they didn't respect this idea that our power comes from within, 
I'm not from without. And so I'm going to say this prayer. Um, I believe this part is um, uh, Lakota. Oh, Paul's telling me, hold my stick. I'm holding my stick. Aho, mitakua, oasen. In honor, I honor you in this circle of life with me today. I am grateful for this opportunity to acknowledge you in this prayer. To the creator for the ultimate gift of life, I thank you. To the mineral nation that has built and maintained my bones and all foundations of life experience, I thank you. To the plant nation that sustains my organs and body and gives me healing herbs for sickness, I thank you. To the animal nation that feeds me from your own flesh and offers your loyal companionship in this walk of life, I thank you. To the human nation that shares my path as a soul upon the sacred wheel of earthly life, I thank you. To the spirit nation that guides me invisibly through the ups and downs of life and for carrying the torch of light through the ages, I thank you. To the four winds of change and growth, I thank you. You are all my relations, my relatives without whom I would not live. We are in the circle of life together, coexisting, codependent, co-creating, our destiny one, not more important than the other. One nation evolving from the other and yet each dependent upon the one above and the one below. All of us are part of the great mystery of life. Thank you for this life. Aho. Mitakiwa. Owasen, these two words mean all my relations. To pray this prayer is to petition God on behalf of everyone and everything on earth. So all our relations is just not people. All our relations I love is starting with the minerals in the water and in the land and the soil that nurture us. And having respect and understanding that. The idea that you would say a prayer for every form of life, which I do in my own way when, you know, every week. But today I wanted to remind us all as we go into the spring what it is that keeps us alive. What we are using in order to sustain life and how we need to honor that because it is life itself. And the only way to actually do it is to become conscious of where we are and who we are and how we do it and how we survive. Mitakiwa Owasen honors the sacredness of each person's individual spirit path, acknowledges the sacredness of all life, human, animal, plant, etc., and creates an energy of awareness which strengthens not only the person who prays but the entire planet. They did not pray for things. They did not go, oh, please put that Porsche in my garage. <laughs> that was not their prayer, you know? When they prayed and when they were, um, and they needed something, like if they needed a coat, if they needed clothing, if they needed to be warm, they, they, they prayed for warmth for everyone, not just themselves. You, can you feel the power in that? 
rather than just what you need, that you, every time you pray, you pray that everyone has what you need. Because believe me, if you need it, somebody else needs it too. Soon after I first learned this prayer, I saw that it represented all that needed to be said. It was a prayer of respect, honor, and love for all of mankind and for the earth. It was a prayer that I said, I wish goodness and peace for all. I would not leave anyone out. I pray for all. It was a prayer that crossed the barriers of religion and could be prayed by one of any faith. You know how every week I say, it doesn't matter what you call it, whatever it is that you can embody. However it is that this connects you to this idea. It was a prayer that united instead of dividing. It was an amazing prayer. All my relations means all. When a speaker makes a statement, it's meant as recognition of the principles of harmony, unity, and equality. It's a way of saying that you recognize your place in the universe and that you recognize the place of others and of other things in the realm of the real and the living. In, in that, it is a powerful evocation, an evocation of truth. You come to realize, too, that if we could all glean the power of this one short statement, mitakwa oasen, all my relations, we could change the world. We could evoke brotherhood and sisterhood. We could remind ourselves and each other that we need each other, and there is not one single life that is not important to the whole or a single thing that is not worth protecting and honoring. If we were able to glean this, like that word said, you know, we wouldn't need for much. We would have each other. We would have the necessary minerals that we would need. We would have the herbs. We would have the food. We would have the nourishment. We would have the love. Hello. The I say love. <laughs> Um, I watched a, uh, a show about a tribe uh, that was kind of losing their land. And it was going to be exchanged, you know, the oil companies wanted to drill there. And it was this tribe and how they respect where they live and how they raise their children. And one of the things that, you know, they teach their children how to treat the earth. And of course, there's ice and snow. It's, you know, it's really up north. <laughs> and um, they teach their children not even to throw a stick into a river because it would upset the natural flow of things. Now, that sounds really harmless even to me, that you would throw a stick in the river, but that stick does not belong there. You know, we have signs here just because kids cannot help from throwing rocks into our pond. <laughs> it's like, no throwing rocks in the pond. And yet that's the first thing I want to do is pick up a rock and throw it in the water. <laughs> and I see that. I understand that. And yet these, these kids 
from these tribes are taught from the very get-go not to hurt even the water with a stick that wasn't there to begin with. And so you can imagine their sensibilities when somebody wants to come in and just clear cut and move things and pollute it in a way that is irrevocable. With, they, they cannot fathom the idea of this. It is so counter to their sensibilities and to the way they honor the planet, how they raise their children. You know, it comes in and completely just slashes to bits this belief system that we could learn a lot from. <laughs> now, everybody knows, some people know, some people don't, but everybody knows my um, aversion to snakes, right? <laughs> I have talked about them many times. <laughs> and uh, one of the uh, fathers had a son. He was like five years old, and they were going along, and they were riding a horse. Now, a horse coming across a rattlesnake or a snake of any kind would be kind of dangerous. And of course the kids go, the kid is like, snake! <laughs> Which is my reaction, snake! <laughs> and the father goes, no, let's get off. Now they don't go near it and he's safe and he goes, you have to talk to the energies of all of life. And so they sat and had a conversation and he taught it, to, he taught his son, hello snake. Hello snake. I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm working on it. But after this show, I was like, wow, I can, I can do this. So now you know we live up, anybody who lives up here or anybody who lives anywhere, they say that there's only, um, you're never more than six feet away from a spider at any time in your life. <laughs> right? And um, I'm actually okay with some spiders, and I just kind of catch them and take them outside. But there's a lot of black widows up here. Yeah, I know. And um, we caught one. I was cleaning off the side patio over here, and you know, we have people who sit. And I turned over a chair, and there was a black widow living just underneath that little thing. So <laughs> now everybody's going to go back there and check the bottom of their chair before they sit. But... Um, I was thinking about this show that I saw and how they treated it. I don't want to kill it. I want to move it, right? And of course, I was with somebody who was freaking out about it. So between her freak out and my freak out, and it was running around and scrambling, and Paul was sitting in the, you know, Mr. Nature, um, who talks to every living thing just normally and naturally. He was sitting in my kitchen window, and he's like, wait, wait, stop. <laughs> it was sort of like, away from the spider. <laughs> when we go over there, you'll see that we have a, a shovel there because they're constantly digging. And Paul just said, we backed away from the spider and he goes, and I swear to God, as soon as he came out the door, the spider relaxed. And I witnessed this with our, you know what I mean, my eyes. And he gets the, he gets the, 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 um, the shovel, and he puts it down and he goes, you can't live here. I'm sorry. Climb on up and we'll find you another home. Spider climbs onto the stupid shovel and he walks it out of the enclosure. And I don't know where he takes it, but I'm standing there going, you know, wow, that works. It works with a black widow. Got that he was a friendly, understood the respect. 
So when you, I say all my relations, you know, they, that energetic connection we have with all living things is real. And it's purposeful. And it just takes our faith and our trust in it and our experience in it too. We have ducks, right? I love the ducks when they come. Paul goes out and feeds them. He goes out there and he's quacking. He talks to them. They come walking towards him. He feeds them. And then he walks away. I go out <laughs> with the food and I go, quack, 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 flying away. <laughs> they all fly away and encircle me. <laughs> and Paul's like, well, did you talk to him? I go, I talked to them. <laughs> but on some level, I don't trust it, obviously, because they don't trust me. Or that I'm trying too hard, do you know what I mean? Or I'm making it about me. I'm not sure. I have to walk through this process. But I would love it if I could just go and be surrounded by the ducks and feed them and they wouldn't be afraid to go, you know, flying away, flocking away and spinning. Um, we had this experience last spring with the gopher snake. A little baby gopher snake found its way into Wakan's enclosure, right? And of course, Wakan doesn't run from it. He's, he, he doesn't play with it, but he has this sound. He has this sound that I now know is snake, which is good because, you know, stranger danger. <laughs> and with all the protection we have, this little gopher snake found its way into a hole, which is where they live, and he dug it up and, you know, it's there. And it's pitch black. It's nighttime. And I'm telling Paul, that's the stranger danger sound. There's a snake in there. And he goes, how do you know? I go, that's the sound. <laughs> so we're grabbing flashlights. And he goes in. Of course, he finds it. And we move it. The next day, Paul can feel him. We were doing something. We were closing the enclosure. We were doing something with the wolves. And we walked away. And he stops halfway from the yard. And he goes, snake. And he turns around, and there's the gopher snake headed back to over the grass. And Paul goes, he's just thirsty. He goes, watch this. And he goes and turns on the sprinkler. The snake heads back towards the water. And we sat and watched it for about 45 minutes. You have to, you know, changing my snake. <laughs> I watched the snake. Do you know how they get water? These little forked tongues that they have? And of course, some of the rose petals are falling on the ground, and it's drinking water out of the rose petals. You just have to just relax a little bit and see how difficult it is for them to find water. 45 minutes to get enough water. We watched it for about that long until it stopped drinking. So 45 minutes in order to nourish itself with water. I got my trusty little bottle here. I can satiate myself in seconds. You know, these, these things that we are afraid of, and rightly so, the poisonous ones, I'm not telling you to go talk to the, you know, <laughs> the cobras. <laughs> Believe me, if the ducks are still flying from me and I've got this information, <laughs> this takes some time to develop.
You know, when they howl like that in these kind of moments, and the confirmation of what I'm saying, you know, there's a reason I call this wolf wisdom. Oh, hello, snake. <laughs> Winona Laduke says this. One of our people in the native community said the difference between white people and Indians is that Indian people know that they are oppressed, but they don't feel powerless. White people don't feel oppressed, but feel powerless. Deconstruct that disempowerment. Part of the mythology that they've been teaching you is that, and they're talking about our culture has been teaching us, is that you have no power. Power is not brute force and money. Power is in your spirit. Power is in your soul. It is what your ancestors, your old people gave you. Power is in the earth. It is your relationship to the earth. And another thing that he said is that I've never ever met this elder. He goes, I've never met a white person that was satisfied. Always unsatisfied. I get that. I get that. How do you have gratitude in the moment? How can you say thank you in the moment if you are so unsatisfied with your moment that you cannot find peace in this life that you are living in your own body, in your own spirit? You know, I had a really hard time with the word God for a long, long time because the way I was raised and the way it was presented to me is God is the all-powerful thing that can punish you forever. <laughs> and so whenever anybody said power, that just meant that whatever and whatever is power, that word meant I was subject to someone overpowering me, oppressing me. The idea that I had power that didn't mean that is a lot of things that I had to shift and to change, you know, so that I could embrace that word again. And a lot of people still don't embrace that word, you know, the great mystery or the higher power, higher power. That does not work for me. And some people say spirit. That makes me think of Casper the friendly ghost. <laughs> I, I've never been able to call it spirit, even though I understand what the energy of spirit is. I, it still makes me laugh because I think of Casper, which was my favorite cartoon when I was growing up. So we have all these associations that keep us from embracing who we are. That's what I'm laughing about, you know? It's like we have all these words that have been used against us. Just like the snake that you have to develop another relationship to so that you can embrace yourself and the power that you have on the planet and in the world because you are perfect, whole, and complete. You are meant to be here. You have a divine purpose, and you are uniquely, um, equally entitled to live your life, the life that you came here to do. That is the truth, like with a capital T. That's the thing to embrace. Because until you do not much out here, energetically sends that same energy back to you. Just like the energy of the, the frightened idea that this 
spider had to die or, or we would, you know? And we can approach life like that or we can approach it like, let's just move it to another home where it can survive and everyone can be safe. It's a huge shift in the way we live. J.K. Rowling says this, we are only as strong as we are united, as weak as we are divided. What are you listening to out there? If the speak that you're listening to is divisive or saying that you are better than someone else or this is worse than that, you are conflicting your sense of purpose. You know? Bob Marley says, one love, one heart, let's get together and feel all right. <laughs> I, I believe one of the reasons why that song was so popular was because it was, you know, the reggae beat and it got said a lot. The more you say something, the more you feel it, the higher the resonance, you know? Let's get together and feel all right. <laughs> Rumi says, like a sculptor, if necessary, carve a friend out of stone. Realize that your inner sight is blind and try to see a treasure in everyone. It took me a while with this quote. You know, seriously, how we need to learn how to see people over again. And so what he's saying is build, a, you know, a, a masterpiece talked about that last week with Dakota, a masterpiece. Build a masterpiece and see humanity through the, that, that lens. Now, the reason we don't is because we're not all out there saying, I say love. And usually it's our closest loved ones that have hurt us the most. And so that association to the word love, too, has to be worked on. A new embracing, a new embodiment of that word has to be developed. And that's why, you know, I joke about it, but, you know, love is the answer. But if love has hurt you, you're going to have that twinge every time I say it. You're going to have that ache every time you say it. And just like me feeding the ducks on some level, I don't believe it and I don't trust it. But I'd like to, you know, but not quite there yet. So just like that word God, I had to reassociate myself to that word because it was a negative to me. A lot of people are living with the idea of love as a negative instead of embracing it as a positive. Winston Churchill, when there's no enemy within, the enemies outside cannot hurt you. Thomas Merton says, the deepest of level of communication is not communication, but communion. They did not build their talking sticks to come and say, you need to hear this. <laughs> you know? They got together and they came together and they communed and they all talked and talked about it. What? No. 
Paul is talking to me. What are you saying? I can't hear you. I need these together. Oh, this is my fan. Okay. Oscar Johnson Hodari says this, if everyone helps to hold up the sky, then one person does not become tired. <laughs> you know what a community can do, what a family can do together. Shannon Alder says this, God is going to send you someone that will rescue you. Then one day you will rescue them in return. And together your story will rescue others. He has always been a God of rescues and a maker of warriors for his grace. You only need to believe that you are part of something greater than you know. Now, for those of you who cannot take that word, seriously, it's just the love we have for each other. You know, and if you can't take that word, <laughs> you know, whatever it is that you can understand, that family, you know, that we are all a part of. When the earth is ravaged and the animals are dying, a new tribe of people shall come unto the earth from many colors, classes, and creeds, and who by their actions and deeds shall make the earth green again. This is a prophecy that is actually from the Native Americans all the way back to Atlantis. They actually had a um, prediction of the floods that buried that city. That's how far back their prophecies go. And this prophecy has come from that time. That there will be a time that we will need this philosophy and that we will come back <laughs> as every race and creed and color and every nation. And we will be the rainbow warriors. I believe I am one. I know that more than I know that the ducks will respond to me nicely. I know that I am here to do this because I'm standing up here talking to you about it. That my passion and my heart needs to be here and do this talk today about this. John Muir, do you guys know who he is? John Muir, you know those beautiful pictures of Yosemite, the black and white ones? You know, that are all those uh, famous pictures and that, um, that man, he was amazing. I don't know if you know this, but he saved Yosemite National Park as a park. They were going to turn it into a Disneyland back in the early 20s. They had lights and colored lights and barrel races, and they were going to turn it into a, um, basically a, a water park. <laughs> I don't know how to explain it for today. And he came in and he went to Washington and he saw what they were doing and he saved the park. He saved this natural landscape. And when someone asked him where he lived and what his address is, this is what he said. Earth, planet, universe. <laughs> that was his address. Guys, this is our address. This is where we live. Not at this, this number on this piece of property, which we take care of very, very well. But it doesn't stop here for us. It can't stop here for us. <sighs> now, this is kind of long, but I, it's really kind of good. Virgil 
Kalyani Matata Iridachi. And please forgive me, all of these people, that I mispronounce your names when I give you credit for these beautiful things that you say and touch me so that I speak them here. So please forgive me. But as much as I would like to know my path, a part of me is telling me that it's better not to know too many details about the end destination or the obstacles on the journey. If I can only see as much as my headlights will show me, I can travel safely through any kind of weather, knowing that there's life through every sunrise and sunset when the light is not shining as I'm used to. I can always assure myself that the night sky will show me many fulfilled dreams and hopes portrayed through shining stars and every now and then reveal me a part of the moon which reflects that everlasting light. Whether fully or not, making me aware that the shadow will always have its mysterious beauty as well in the process of underlying a part of the truth. So let's continue like this, with our eyes set out far away in the galaxy, but with our feet firmly on the ground from which we have been raised. Only so will we be able to ground ourselves deeply and reach immeasurable heights, like a tree deeply rooted in Mother Earth that stretches its branches up to the heavens. How many of you would have started your careers if you understood what was going to happen to you? <laughs> along the way, how much it was going to cost, what we were going to um, have to travail. Do you know what I mean? If you think about too much of it, you know, you've talked yourself out of it before you've even started, you know? We do that to ourselves a lot. What college you're going to, you guys are going to have to make these choices, you know? It's like, and, and um, there's so much at stake. There's so much at stake. How do you live from that anxiety before you even take a step into your dream? That's why I say just walk in the direction of your heart's desire. And know, like the Native Americans knew, that the planet would give them their abundance. That the nourishment would be there for them. That the shelter and the warmth and the comfort and the love would be on this path, that you're, this divine path that you're on. Rather than overwhelming yourself before you even start. <laughs> <laughs> thinking this is impossible. Because believe me, I have been on journeys, and we're on a journey now, and every single day you go, how are we going to do this? It never ends. How are we? How? 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 <laughs> it just seems like every single day, how? How am I going to afford it? How am I going to make it? How am I going to get the help? How am I going to drive? How am I going to, you know... Rest, how am I going to, how am I? We're, we're all like that unsatisfied people who can't sit in the moment, which is why meditative processes, spiritual practices, anything that you can get a touchstone for that grounds you again and lets you remember who you are and why you're here. And take that moment and let this Mother Earth hold you when you're shaking in your boots. We weren't meant to live with this kind of anxiety. We were meant to go with this flow. Not worry about whether we're going to make it or not. And that is a legacy that has been left to us. Not, not consciously, 
You know, because no parent wants to give that legacy to their kids. You want your kids to be happy and healthy and find their way in the world so you don't have to worry. <laughs> and yet that worry keeps us going and going and going. And so these times where you can connect to nature, where you can ground your feet, take your shoes off, get your feet into the dirt. We have these people that came to see the wolves and they are um, Americans and they teach um, English language in China. And they don't sit on the dirt. They carry little things around in their pocket. You know what I mean? They have kerchiefs so that when they have to sit on the ground, they put the kerchief down. Oh, think about that. For those of us that played in sandboxes <laughs> and in ditches and up in trees, they're not allowed to get dirty. How do you, how, how do you, talk about how do you, right? No, I'm not, I'm not talking down about that culture. Please don't get me wrong. But the idea that, you know, there's a lot to learn and that people have these ideas. That somehow sitting on the ground and getting a little dirt on your rear end and on your clothes is somehow going to hurt your life. I don't know what that is. Once again, I can't, I can't find the sensibilities to understand how we need to feel this earth and touch it in a way that we can honor it and know that we're a part of it. Susie Kaysen says, learn to interpret every word and line with the heart and the mind of a poet. The language of light can only be decoded by the heart. And it has a very luminous mind and eye of its own. Um, I chose today, because of spring and that it snowed last night, to sing um, Amanda McBroom's The Rose. Um, just to do a little bit of um, uh, backtracking. When The Rose came out, I was doing a musical in Santa Monica called Little Mary Sunshine. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I was part of the, the chorus, and Amanda Broom was Little Mary Sunshine. And the song had not come out yet. And um, she laughed when it came out because it was part of the movie The Rose, which um, Bette Midler did about um, Janice um, Joplin's life, which is an incredible movie. But she laughed. She goes, I don't know. I sat down to write a rock and roll song one day, and this is what came out. <laughs> <laughs> and it is um, a huge hit and has, uh, you know, I'm sure she's still living off the royalties on that level, but she was an incredible red-headed, spirited woman, and she wrote this beautiful, beautiful song inspired. She was a musician, a poet, in order for this to come out of her. And I honor you <laughs> for um, one of my favorite songs to even sing. So here we go.
Amanda. I cannot sing that song without chills all over my body. Thank you. Michio Kaku says this, each time a person passes you by, say hello. Imagine that person turning into a candle. The more positivity, love, and light you reflect, the more light is mirrored your way. Every time you say hello to a stranger, your heart acknowledges over and over again that we are all humans and are natural-born scientists. We were born, we want to know why the stars shine. We want to know why the sun rises. And I see it in you. Aho, everyone. <laughs> so, thank you, everyone. I do love this uh, Native American teachings. They um, give me a tangible understanding of this spiritual light and this spiritual process and this spiritual life that we live. It's hard not to understand who we are when you can grab something, be connected to the rest of the world, when it's in your hand, when you can see it, when you can touch it. So. Uh Thank you so much for joining us today. If you like what you heard and you think it is of benefit to you and with others, please share this podcast with your friends and your family. Also like us on Facebook at Wolf Wisdom Gathering and Shadowland Foundation. Um, you can also check out our website at shadowlandfoundation.org and um, we appreciate any donation that you would like to share with us. They are all tax deductible. So please help us. That would be great. Have a blessed, blessed week. And we'll talk then. And what